Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 31. This is a podcast where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. Thanks for joining us today, Milt. Hi, Greg. So uh, the ATC Week 31 report came out uh, this week, uh, capping off what is a pretty disappointing run of rail service uh, performance in the past month. Uh, some really concerning numbers we've seen. Um, can you give us a little rundown on, on what we saw in Week 31? Sure. Well, I guess it's fair to say that uh, CN's performance in week 31 was disappointing, but certainly not surprising if you understood what they were facing. Um, it was difficult to envision how they could make a quick bounce back um, in a week, given you know the imbalance that they created in the demand capacity equation for week 31. When you roll over 2,300 orders from one week into the next, and then you've got new demand to deal with, it's, that's a pretty tough one to win. So in week 31, they turned in their second worst performance of the year. In fact, CN has had three uh, terrible weeks. Their three worst weeks of the current grain year have happened in the last four, which is quite remarkable. They've rationed more than a thousand orders in a week for the fifth time this year. And for the second time in the last four weeks, there are just not many bright spots in week 31 for CN, just pretty much bad across the board. CP, on the other hand, was a pleasant surprise for the second straight week. Not sure we understand exactly why, um, but we'll take, you know, the good performance. Um, they did struggle in a couple of places, uh, specifically on traffic to Vancouver transloaders and in the U.S. corridor. But apart from that, um, they were very good in all other corridors in week 31. One of the things that we do look at is, is their car spotting ability, which is a bit of a signal as to their sustained performance, and they were able to spot more than 4,500 hoppers for ATC shippers for two straight weeks now. And the last time they did that was in December. So that, at least in the short term, is a good sign. Yeah, it really is a tale of two railways at the moment. Uh, those CN numbers are, are, are pretty shocking and disappointing. Uh, provincially, how did they shake up, shape up? Not a lot different. Uh, a little bit more volatility across provinces than we've seen in recent weeks but I think you know at a very high level CN was generally poor CP was generally good the only exceptions really to that storyline for the two railways is that CN was uh, well above their system average in Alberta um, and CP was well below their system average in Manitoba but apart from that the, the script was pretty steady so looking forward, you know, we, we've often in this podcast tried to uh, forecast or predict uh, future performance. And I think we'll continue to do it because it's, you know, kind of fun. And this is how we try and use these numbers. But uh, it's becoming pretty difficult. Uh, and it's a, something that I think we need to improve. But is there a way you think we could start to forecast future performance uh, a bit better? Or is this kind of the situation we're in? Well, it's tough. Um, you know, I read a quote this morning as I was getting ready for our podcast that said, the most reliable way to forecast the future is to try and understand the present, which is pretty insightful in and of itself. Um, 
if you think about it, you know, the Ag Transport Coalition has been doing some very good work in this area to create visibility into the rail system for going on 10 years now. And we probably have as good a visibility into performance uh, for the grain sector by rail, um, second only to the railways themselves. And despite that, we find it extremely difficult to be able to forecast or project or predict, whichever word you want to use, what performance might look like going forward. And what it comes down to is that when you can only see a very small percentage of what's happening on the rail network, it's very difficult to try and, you know, look forward and understand what's going to happen, you know, for the system as a whole, let alone for an individual sector within that system. Yeah, it's been a consistent um, issue we've been trying to, to look at. Obviously, the grain sector, we have the Ag Transport Coalition, we have the Grain Monitoring Program, we have a, a you know a, some pretty good insight into what's happening in our sector. But as you say, it's without knowing what's happening in forestry or oil and gas or mining, it's tough to know. We see our trends, obviously, but it's it's difficult to know why. And it's something I think as a sector and probably as a Canadian economy and as shippers, we need to start thinking about a bit more is how do we bring that full uh, visibility to the entire network to really try and unpack what's going on. Um, as, obviously, as we've mentioned, it's been a pretty bad past few weeks as far as service and performance. It's impacting shippers, impacting growers. Uh, I know as Pulse Canada, we, we put out a, a a, uh, an op-ed this week flagging uh, this issue of the vulnerability of our, of our rail system. Because when these performance moments happen, it, it has a big impact on, on the efficiency of our system, the costs, the increased costs that go into it. Um, how do you feel about our, our, our discussion around these issues? And, and obviously they're increasing, but what, what are you seeing as far as how we should approach this issues of the vulnerability of our, of our sector, of our, of the rail system. Well, it's a very good point, Greg. And, and, you know, stakeholders, uh, whether it be government industry, uh, pretty much across the spectrum, um, have been talking about, you know, this issue of durability, sustainability, consistency, recoverability, fragility, you know, they're all words to describe the same issue. And that is whether or not, there is sufficient capacity in the system to effectively handle uh, the volumes that, um, you know, the grain sector, let alone other sectors are putting out there into the rail network, looking to move through their supply chains. And even though we've talked about this thing on and on and on and on, um, you know, it seems to have become muted in some respects until recently. You mentioned the op-ed piece that you folks just put out. Uh, the Western Grain Elevator Association issued a press release last week, in their words, raising a cautionary flag around rail capacity and service, particularly with respect to expected growth in the grain sector going forward. There was also an article in AgriWeek this week that raised the issue of the vulnerability of the railways and concerns regarding rail capacity going forward. So the conversation is picking up steam and that's a good thing because I think it has been uh, largely muted in some ways in, in the last little while. Yeah, and obviously we've been, you know, the ATC reports come out every week and, and you can track this performance. Um, and then on the other side, you see, you know, constant reports around hitting um, volume, uh, you know, 
record volumes each month. And so it, ha- it has been a very interesting discussion, I think, this year around, around rail service and performance. Um, and, and one that, you know, we've been trying to navigate because even though you may hit these, these volume targets, the actual effectiveness, predictability, timeliness of the, of the network continues to be struggle. And this has just been, you know, particularly noticeable in the past few weeks, but it's been, it's been there all year. Um, you know, what, what should that discussion look like, you know, to talk a little bit about how, um, how we move forward with, with discussing our, our the, the rail network and, and the performance that we should expect, I think, as, as exporters and shippers and growers. Well, I think that um, as a starting point, the, the bar, if you will, on performance need to be reset in some respects. You know, to use uh, an analogy, the so-called boiling frog effect, right? If you put a frog in some lukewarm water and you keep turning up the temperature, the frog will be happy and, and will adjust to the, to the environment as it changes. And I think, you know, it's simplistic, but stakeholder views of performance in the rail sector you know, what's good service, what's bad service, what's acceptable service is, is changing. And it has been for some time, you know, stakeholders have been to some, in some respects, desensitized to bad performance. So the expectations of shippers for service levels are declining. What stakeholders once thought was, you know, terrible service is now, you know, just a bad stretch, quote unquote, and the railways will recover. Got to think of this as a window, not a, not a, you know, systematic level of performance. Um, But if you look at the facts, think of this, for instance, through the first 31 weeks of this grain year, CN has only managed to supply shippers with 80% or more of hopper cars ordered in a week, 11 times. That's about a third. And in the last 19 weeks, they've only done it twice. Despite that, the only thing the railways want to talk about is the volume records they set each month for the movement of grain, because for them in the conversation publicly, that is the definition of service. And it shouldn't be because the, the, the most you can move is not always the best thing. But what's happening is that businesses are realigning their expectations with respect to rail service and they're compensating within their respective supply chains by building in an underlying assumption that rail service will only be at X level, which is below where they would like it. But if that's the best they can plan on, then they're going to plan their supply chains around that. That's not a good thing. The only people that win there are the railways and overall it makes business more expensive. So moving in that direction should concern industry stakeholders uh, significantly. What we need to ask ourselves is where is the incentive for the railways to improve service and capacity? And right now, the reality is there doesn't appear to be any. Yeah, that's uh, that's very concerning for sure. You think the incentive would be to you know provide your customers with the best service possible, but clearly we don't, and we haven't always got that in the in the in the rail sector. So it's something we'll have to have to continue to focus on. Uh, speaking of vulnerabilities, we've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. Port of Montreal potential strike now within 14 days. Uh, we're seeing the ramifications of that now, actually, where uh, CN and CP are both not uh, not uh, wanting to load up containers to be to, to be sent to the port in anticipation that a strike would be happen 
happen. So we're already seeing issues within our supply chain. So I encourage anybody out there who has an interest in this, because uh, it's going to affect impact uh, uh, sector in Western Canada as well as Eastern Canada with the Port of Montreal, because we do ship product there. Go to uh, www.stopthestrike.ca and let the government know uh, the importance of the Port of Montreal and, and to avoid a strike. Uh, thanks again, Milt. Uh, really good discussion. Uh, for those of you who want to see the reports, go to agtransportcoalition.com and we'll talk to you all next week.